When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I think it's a special rivalry being that it truly is a border battle. It really has the feel of a college rivalry where it's very personal. You may have neighbors down the street who are Packers fans and, and vice versa. That makes it special. You know, it reminds me of the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry where it was, you know, family against family, brother against brother a little bit. And, and that certainly is the feel here, too. I don't want to dispute the uh, quarterback and his take here from the very beginning. But it really doesn't feel like that. It really doesn't. I mean, we have an office here where there are a handful of Packers fans, and you'll walk by them, and the Vikings fans will be like, Packing, uh, Packers-Vikings this week, huh? Yeah, hope our team wins. And then the Packers fans will say, No, I hope our team wins. And they'll say, Oh, I guess we'll find out when we tailgate together in the parking lot at Lambeau and have a great time. I mean... I don't know how other people think rivalries are in the rest of sports, but this is not one of the most intense ones. Uh, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here on Purple Daily for two hours. A mystery guest coming up at 2.20 that is uh, specifically tailored toward you, Alex. How's it going, man? Ooh, it's a mystery guest. Yeah, mystery guest. It'll be a surprise for you. this. This will be good. You're going to like this. That's a 2.20. Okay. Okay. So, uh, tell me though, you got to be uh, a part of this Packers yeah. and Vikings, and yeah. I think it's a great rivalry only because the teams are usually good. So when it's like Bears Packers, it's like Bears, you know, most most of the time until now. Uh, for my entire life, it's like, oh, Moses Moreno and Cade McNown are starting for the Bears against Favre. Congratulations right. on showing up. Uh, but now it's now it's good between the Packers and Bears. This one, I feel like, is a great matchup of Randy Moss mooned your fans once and Favre was on their team and then came to this team. I don't look at it as separating families in Minnesota. I look at it as there's been a lot of great players on both sides and great games between these two teams, and that's what really makes it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but I'm just wondering, are you a football fan? Because I'm considering this to be one of the top robberies, and I don't know why, but I've always been a fan of this game. And, and getting to play in it, getting to f- the real feel for it, it was really it was exciting. 
I'm not kidding. And I don't know what it was because, I mean, play coming from San Fran, I had played them a whole bunch in their stadium and our stadium all mm-hmm. around. I mean, it wasn't, it felt like just another game. But when I was here and we went up there, it, it just felt different. And I don't know what it was, but yeah, I could feel the, the animosity and the hate. Yeah, I think, uh, so do you mean between the players on the field or do you mean in the stands? I, I felt like in the stands, I felt like they kind of hated us too. I mean, I felt like we weren't, we felt we weren't wanted. I mean, I think you can go into some stadiums and you can be like, well, I don't really know if that really had any effect. But when we were up there, it felt like it had a, a bigger effect than normal. Okay, maybe, yeah, all right, I could see that, where the fans get extra jacked up for it because they know it's a big it, rivalry. Yeah, and it was a big time, too, because when we went up there, it was for the North. I mean, it was right. the second-to-last game of the year, Week 16, you know, who's going to win? And we and it was, for some reason, it was really warm that week, mm-hmm. and we had planned on it being really cold because it was like negative 20 when we went outside, <laughs> and Zimmer was like, you're going to you're gonna love this come Sunday, and Sunday was wearing, like, shorts and a T-shirt. Like, this is the <laughs> weirdest thing i've ever like people were walking around staring at each other like i don't know man just just go with it yeah, but it, every once in a while it happens it's weird it's but very yeah, odd weather i i could feel the animosity for sure it's a it's a rivalry okay i'll i'll buy that but i guess where i'm looking at it is from the intensity of the fans when i was in philadelphia for the nfc championship game i even coming Different. from buffalo i've never quite seen something that violent going on in the parking lot where i mean you just had eagles fans going completely bat bleep. I mean, they have a jail in that stadium to take fans to, and uh, that's very different from the cordial nature of fans, Vikings and Packers fans, and I'm sure once you're in there, it gets really serious, and the atmosphere is truly incredible um, to be a part of when you go to Lambeau. Even just walking through... you. You know, in the media, we park in the field and then we walk uh, up to the stadium and just walking up to it, it has this kind of aura to it like, yeah, this is actually Lambeau Field. I guess uh, what I'm thinking of is because of where we live, the region we're in, there isn't this like true hatred of neighbor versus neighbor. If you play for that team or you like that team, then you're out of the family like it might be with Ohio State and Michigan. Um, but but it's more of a cordial relationship. And then I guess when you get into the games, they're usually intense, Alex. I think because the teams are just good. It's got a great history since Favre shows up in Green Bay of the Vikings consistently with Denny Green being great and then they get to Brett Favre showing up here after being a Packer which ramped it up and even over these last years Mike Zimmer versus Aaron Rodgers has been a great battle I think yeah no it's definitely been some matchups that have been fun to watch but I mean when you're talking about a rivalry like Ohio State Michigan no I don't think it comes down to that I mean you see people wearing Packers stuff in Minnesota and nobody gives them a hard time you do that you wear something from Michigan in Ohio people will stare at you funny like dude what are you doing right right you you just don't belong here like you're just being that guy aren't you okay got it but yeah, I agree with you. It's more of a cordial rivalry. But maybe it was because I was a player that I had to always feel like there was animosity around us. And I mean, as players, for sure, there was a rivalry between the Vikings and the Packers. I mean, that game, there was some heated conflicts that I had had that surprisingly I hadn't had with certain players before. And they were like, nah, dude, it's different for this. I was like, hmm. that is great. I love to hear that. Let's do this. Okay, that's interesting because, of course, Adam Thielen at the podium today, you can predict this, was not going to say it was any different. Well, you know, every game's big in the National Football league so i did i did want to know if on the field you get that ramped up intensity and part of that is just from playing in a division that's really good i mean uh, you go back even a couple of years and it's a, an intense type of division where whether you're going to Detroit or whether you're going to Chicago or whether you're going to Lambeau, you're usually playing a team that's at least 
competitive. That right. it's it's going to matter to you. It's not like you're New England. You're like, okay, well, there's six and zero or five and one every right. single year. We start with five or six wins, and then we'll play the rest of the schedule. It's never that way in the NFC North. So I would imagine that those games just have an extra tension because of just how much they mean. Yeah, well, like you said, that you know you're playing your own conference games. Obviously, that's a huge thing. But like you said, it's it's. These games come down to so little. Like the guy who makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win the game. So at the end of the day, you're like, listen, we got to be dialed in at all times for this game. Because at some times there are games where you go out there and in the first quarter you're like, listen, we're going to beat these guys over the head the rest of the game. This is this is just going to be comical. But then you get into your conference games and it's like, this is not going to be comical because these guys know exactly who we are and what we are. Because we play them twice a year. We play them here. We play them there. They know who we are inside and out. So it, it does add to a little more animosity to it. So what do you think of this Packers team, Alex? Uh, you think that Rodgers is washed. That's a great place to start. Uh, what about the rest of them? Well, let's talk about Rodgers, though, because I, I've been joking with you about him being washed. But yeah. in, in all honesty, over the last four years, it's just not the same as when he was a freak of nature and had a case for being the best quarterback ever. And in week one, the whole question was, well, is Matt LaFleur's offense going to take him back to that level? And, it, you know, it didn't, really. I mean, he went... 18 for 30 with a touchdown, and he made a big play when it needed to be made. But uh, even going back to 2016, his record is 21, 18, and 1. 100 quarterback rating, 7.3 yards per attempt. Those are good NFL quarterback numbers, but right. they are not. You are a god. You are on the complete next level. Right. It's not like you're the cover of Madden. That's, that I'm right. completely surprised. I agree with you, but I think the problem is he's kind of overshadowed by certain things. Number one is injury. I mean, he was hurt. Obviously, he got hurt here. Uh, I think that sometimes when you get hurt and your name is out of the limelight for a while, and then all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes puts up 50 touchdowns, people turn to you and go, what have you done for us lately? You know, <laughs> right. I mean, it's, a, it's such a tough situation to be in, and I'm not giving him saying that for any reason that he deserves to any you know sympathy, but right now he hasn't played in the preseason, and that first game that you went out there, you looked abysmal. Like It looked like he was arguing with the coach in the huddle to me. Like I felt like as a player I could feel the tension between the two of them and it felt like they were kind of handcuffing him and saying, hey, listen, we don't want all of your ability. We just want a little bit of it, and we'll do the rest of the work for you. And it's kind of like that's not how Aaron works. I mean, at the end of the day, it's his show. you got to let him run around. you got to let him be crazy. I feel like that's when he sparks the most. That's when he gets excitable, and his team comes together, and they rally around him, and then it's something fun to watch. But when you, you're in this offense that it feels like he's kind of slowing him down, then you, it's not going to be fun to watch for anybody. So I was thinking about a basketball comparison with how I feel about where Aaron Rodgers is right now. Let's okay. say let's say when you're in your mid-20s, you're a superstar NBA player, and you can take people off the dribble because you're super quick. So right. you can just score whenever you want. But as you get a little bit older, your coaches are like, hey, uh, you know, you're not as quick as you used to be, so we're going to design spot-up threes for you. Right. And if that player buys into that, then they can become a spot-up three-point shooter and play till they're 40, and right. just hitting threes. But if they don't, and they're like, no, I score off the dribble, then your career is going to end a lot quicker because you think you could still do the things that you used to do that you can't do anymore. And I wonder if Aaron Rodgers has that same issue. I listen. I hear you. I do. Say he's washed. Say it. No, I'm not going to say he's washed. I'm going to say that he is the minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay? So at the end of the day. So he should know all about this. When Aaron Rodgers wants to retire, he'll retire. And they'll be like, thank you for everything. Even though it was probably just one Super Bowl. But, you know, it's... 
I see what you're saying. I don't think he's washed. I think that at the end of the day, the, this is comes down to the coach is new, and he's like, I want my offense to shine, and if I can't make it work with you, maybe we can make it work with somebody else. And I, I really do think that Matt LaFleur is kind of like, hey, listen, this is my show. This is my team. I've worked so long to get here. I've been around a lot of great people, Sean McVay, guys like that, the Kyle Shanahan's, the people that understand the offensive systems in this league. So I know what I'm doing. And and for whatever reason, you can't put Aaron Rodgers in an offense that actually makes sense on paper. <laughs> because to me, yeah. th- that doesn't make sense. He's one of these guys that's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run around here for a little while, and I'm going to make it look kind of ugly, but then all of a sudden I'm going to make something look really pretty. And I'm going to bring you back around, and we'll rush a little bit here and there, and we'll try and make it look like we care about the ground game, but we don't. And at the end of the day, I'm still just going to run around and throw the ball and make it look kind of cool. Yeah, and this is uh, there is a comparison for this um, historically, which I think would be John Elway, where Ooh. when Mike Shanahan shows up in Denver and Elway's had a ton of success, he's been to Super Bowls, he's got all the accolades you could ever hope for, and he's in his 30s, and then they go to this Shanahan-style offense where you're trying to run play actions and you're throwing shorter passes, and then every once in a while you bring out the cannon and throw it downfield. And I was watching an NFL Films recap of Mike Shanahan's, I think, second year in Denver, because why not? And at one point they catch John Elway on the sideline saying, man, this offense is really helpful. Like I don't have to do as much now. I can just... Kind of like this. Throw, right. Throw, you know, pull out some West Coast stuff, throw underneath and let somebody else run with the football. And he needed that to extend his career and ultimately win two Super Bowls. So I think if Aaron Rodgers fights against this, it, this, this could be really, really tough for that offense. And if he buys into it, then it could be really dangerous for everybody else. I agree. But at the end of the day, what... what what do you think Aaron wants to do? I, I just I don't see him wanting to be in a system that hasn't made him flourish all these years. I the totally NFL. agree. And I think it's tough when you put a player in that position to say, hey, listen, this is what's made you great for X amount of years, and we get it. But now we want to try this. He's going he's gonna to be like, guys, come on. We just saw what happened. We tried this a long time ago. It doesn't look good. Like We have no ground game. And that's the biggest problem for me is what have you done to solidify the ground game? Mm-hmm. You've done nothing. You've gone out to get nobody. There is nobody in the backfield. They're doing nothing. If you want your offense, like that should be his, that should be his rebuttal. Hey, Aaron, we want you to be in this offense. Okay. Well, I want you to go get me this running back then, like today, right now. And then maybe we'll talk about running this offense. But when you put nobody back there, then how do you expect me to flourish? Yeah. I think that Aaron Jones has the potential to be a very good running back, but like you said, they're going to have to make that happen. With running backs, they're usually, um, their success is based on their circumstances, unless it's somebody like Delvin Cook who's just so spectacular that right. he can make an offensive line that's struggling look really great. Uh, but I don't think Aaron Jones is on that type of level, so they have to make that happen first, and Aaron Rodgers also has to believe in that as a strategy as well. And, and it's a, a little bit like... The, the saying about marriage, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy, right? right I mean, right. It, it's true. They might have to adopt that in Green Bay or they're still going to have many of the problems they had before. For sure. There's definitely going to be a, a compromise. And I think there is. I mean, I can envision one in my mind how this system would work. But at the end of the day, you need the running back. You can't do it without that. Like He's like, hey, you're not understanding. Nobody is going to be sucked up here. We're trying to do all these things and make it look really cool, but we're not going anywhere. Our offensive line is not built to run the ball. We're built to pass block Aaron, and that's about it. After that, 
there is minimal like hey this is a zone play what is a zone play and why are we running it that does not involve Aaron throwing the ball to somebody why are we doing this yeah. like you know like you can't turn around and go well this is new to us and here's a running back that probably doesn't suit this offense and can't go anywhere by himself but good luck like it's just not going to happen the other part of it, too, with them and their approach to bringing in Matt LaFleur is that they counted on Matt LaFleur to solve all of their problems on offense and not other human beings. Like you mentioned, um, with Aaron Jones in the backfield, they didn't bring in like a number two or a right. step back who can help him out. And he's not a huge pass catcher. So then you're kind of asking him to do something he hasn't done before. And with they had the 12th pick in the draft, and I was certain that they were going to take some weapon. I mean, you saw the first week uh, Marquise Brown was amazing for the Ravens. And uh, Noah Fant was another guy who was on the board there. Certainly some offensive linemen. But a couple of weapons who were ranked very highly. And they take Rashawn Gary, who on tape at Michigan was... You'll appreciate this. I mean, he was he was very lazy. I thought, and even though Michigan players, yeah, that happens. Uh, But great, great talent in the combine. But congratulations, right? I mean, uh, that was a very strange pick. I just didn't think that they did enough around him to add like extra weapons that are going to enhance Rodgers. They seem to think that it was entirely scheme, and I don't think that. I agree with you, one hundred percent. I. What they went out this offseason and did for the defense was huge. I mean, the money that they threw at the defense, because for so long people have been saying, you guys can be really, really good, you just don't have a defense. And so finally they turn around and go, you know what, these people are right, we should probably cave into this, we need to attack this defense thing more, we need to get some pass rushers in there, people that are productive, that can do it. They did a great job. What I think they counted on on the offense was they said, hey, listen, between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, there's no way they can mess this up. <laughs> well, right, they, yeah. They did because you didn't throw in the running back portion where you're like, well, who's going to be the guy that scares the defense? Because mm-hmm. potential does nothing for me on the sideline. The potential that a player has, well, that's great. Is he going to use that potential? I don't know. Well, then that doesn't scare me. I don't know if he's going to come or not. I know I'm going to show up. But when you have a potential to have a running game, I don't think you've attacked it enough. I think they should have went out and done more. And if anything, maybe go out and get some more offensive linemen. Get some bigger guys. I mean, I'm not saying you have the wrong offensive line, but at the end of the day, if you want to run the ball and you want to have an offense like that, you need some bigger guys up front, and you need some road graders. I'm shocked that this was your conclusion that you came to, but I agree with it, that that their offensive line has not been the same for the last few years, and it has uh, played into why they haven't been as successful. So let's take a break, Alex. We will circle back on the defensive side of the Packers, because I want to know what you think of some of their new additions, and they look like Mm -hmm. a much different defensive team. But we have a mystery guest that is a surprise for you who is coming up next. Uh, It'll be fun when we return. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here. For Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. We are back here 
on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, former Minnesota Viking, Alex Boone. And I have a surprise mystery guest for Alex Boone that I'm going to bring in now. He's a former San Francisco 49er and Buffalo Bill. He came up on the show the other day. Don't so say Booby I, Dixon. I, it's Booby Dixon. Don't say that Booby D. What is up? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm in love. What is going on, Anthony? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, man. So I, uh, for anybody who wasn't listening the other day, we were talking about guys who were uh, uh, great at pounding the ball in at the goal line and the San Francisco teams that won largely with running and defense, and your name came up, Anthony, so I had to send you a message um, to, to get you on the show. So how have you been, Anthony? Man, I've been good, man. I've been uh, you know, back home in Mississippi. You know, I'm doing some coaching, doing some training. You know, retired. You know, living a retired life. I just finished eating some Popeyes. <laughs> Ruby has always yeah. been the best. I, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that was going to just come and steal your soul? It was absolutely you, I, dude. It, I, it's great to hear your voice. How have you been, man? You down in Mississippi State still? Yeah, man. I'm down in Mississippi, man. Just living, dog. Just living. Dude, so awesome. here, here's what I want to know is why you two get along as teammates. I mean, you seem like there's like some kindred spirit between both of you. And Anthony, I can't tell you how excited Alex's voice got when I brought you up. I was like, oh, yeah, Booby D was in Buffalo, which is where I was. And he was he was the best. And uh, Alex got very excited. So why, why did you guys get along as teammates? Uh, man, I think it was because, you know, man, we both was kind of you know, crazy. It wasn't all <laughs> all the way there with both of us. And, you know, we were physical guys. And, uh, you know, man, we just love to go to war, man. I think both of us kind of had that type of uh, connection where we could just look at each other on game day or on practice day, and we just knew that, hey, we, you know, we was going to go hard, and we just loved what we was doing. I mean, the the best part was he was always so positive all the time. He was always yeah. so yeah. laugh, dude. I mean, I loved as soon as he walked into the room, it was in, injected with infectious with energy. I mean, it was awesome how the the mood would change as soon as Booby would walk in the room. People would get excited. And, <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Adam. Well, I was telling our producer, Jonathan, that called Anthony off the air, and I was like, I've never met anyone who did not love Booby Dixon. And uh, so <laughs> let, let me ask you this, uh, Anthony, because the reason that you came up in our conversation was you played for those San Francisco teams with Frank Gore and with Alex as an offensive lineman and a bunch of giant O-linemen who pounded the ball. You didn't throw that often and won a ton of games, which is what the Vikings are trying to do this year. So why did that work for you guys when you were in San Francisco? Um, I think uh, the way we did things, you know, we did things with a lot of attitude. To be able to do it that way, you got to have that right attitude, man. You got to have a lot of guys that that just love the trenches. And uh, we dominated the trenches, man. And I think that's where, you know, with Boone, you know, our whole offensive line, even on defense, it was the same way. We dominated the trenches. So if you got guys that love to be in the trenches, that can dominate the trenches, you got runners that's going to run, hey, you you can do it. You can get it done. You can dominate the league like that. No, I agree with that. What Booby's saying is definitely true. But the problem is he's not telling you about the games that when you can't run the ball, it gets really tough because you become a one-dimensional offense. And I think that you're seeing these teams that are not by choice turning to one-dimensional offenses, but they just are, but naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, I, <laughs> hey, I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of that got to go with you know, they got to be able to hit them play-action shots, man. Yes. They got to be able to hit them play-action shots. If, if the quarterback can't play-action pass out of the run, then it, it might not work, you know? Anthony, might not work. 
Anthony Dixon, former teammate of Alex Boone, and uh, I covered Anthony a little bit in Buffalo. You might remember this. Uh, we we talked a bit about when Drake and Meek Mill were feuding. You and I talked about great yeah, rap yeah, battles on there. Yep, yeah. <laughs> that was that was good. That that seemed like that was a locker room conversation that was brought to the radio that day. Um, so so well, totally agree with you on on hitting those play action shots. But you talk about that mentality, and I wonder from both of you guys. If the like, can that be learned? Is that purely the guys who are in in the room? Does that grow throughout a year to get that type of mentality? Because I think the Vikings took a big step in Week One toward gaining that type of "we're going to be physical, we're going to use Delvin Cook to run over you." Yeah, I think uh, it was a mentality that all of us had as a group. You know, we was a we was a tight group. I felt like we was a tight group. Oh yeah. And once we got tight like that, and uh. You know, we just knew we was going to fight for each other. It was easy. It, it really wasn't that hard. We just had to go out there and execute. I don't think it's something that you can learn. I think you're either born with it or you're not. I think when Booby's talking about we were close, he means that at the bottom of piles, guys were fighting for each other. I mean, they were clawing at other dudes. and like, I mean, it was full-on war. And if you were at the bottom of the pile and somebody was messing with your guy, you had to do what you had to do. And, and it, it became a whole team thing. And Harbaugh loved it. He embraced it. I mean, he knew that that's who we were. We were tough, gritty guys. We weren't trying to be flashy. And I think that was the one thing that he knew what kind of a team he wanted and he brought the right play. In. Yeah, and I think if this team can gain that type of mentality, they had it in 2017, I, I thought, especially with Latavius Murray and, and yeah. uh, Jarrett McKinnon also uh, kind of making up for Delvin being hurt, and the offensive linemen, too, to some extent, that last year kind of went away, and then this year they're trying to get back. Uh, Booby, I know that you watch a ton of football, man, so what stuck out to you right. in, in week one? Um. I want to say, uh, you know, my guy, Dak Prescott, got to go with my head state guy. You know, I think <laughs> Dak, you know, Dak, Dak, he really did, though. He stepped up and showed everybody that, hey, he the truth, and he's steady getting better, and, and they need to go and pay the man. You know what I'm saying? You know, $40 million? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what, Anthony? I lo- I love him too because there there are some guys who just have an ability to do whatever it takes to win, and and Prescott seems to get everybody behind him. But also, if he's got to run and jump into the end zone and take some punishment, he'll do it. And now that he's got Amari Cooper there, uh, it, he's really showing what he could do as a passer. He didn't really have that true number one weapon before. Yeah, yeah, and you know they got. Uh, Randall Cobb there now, you know what I'm saying? Winning is back. You know, I think the offensive line is is even improved, even though they've been good, but they even looked improved this year. So, man, I, Dallas looks strong, you know what I'm saying? I, I can't deny that they look strong, and I think Dak looked the strongest. So, you know, they need to pay him so we but, can get this out the way. And, but $40 yeah, but million? Dollars? That's a lot uh, of money. Oh yeah, they you know they they giving it away anyway. <laughs> he only threw what ten passes this past weekend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So hey, pay the man, man. Just pay the man. Let's get it out the way. We will move on. Hey, Makes th- a great point. There, there was something else I, I wanted you guys to discuss, too, that you have in common, and I think that this would be a bond for two players who were physical and gritty like you guys were. Uh, you're a sixth-round pick, Anthony, and you made an NFL career yeah. for yourself, which is pretty damn impressive. And Alex, you're an undrafted guy. You make an NFL career for yourself. What was it that... that uh, Push you over the top. Other than being hilarious, uh, Anthony, you're very funny. But but aside from that, they don't hand out contracts for that. So what what was it that put you over the top? 
Uh, the thing that, you know, I, I don't think uh, that I got a lot of credit for, but, man, I really believe I was a smart player. You know what I'm saying? I, I really could look at defenses, and, you know, I could read defenses. Uh, I was taught that early in my career by playing with Coach Crone at Mississippi State. You know, he I was already running NFL offenses and looking at defenses. He was showing me how to break stuff down. And then once I learned how to play special teams, which I didn't learn how to do that until I got to the – you know, NFL, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It, it all just started to flow, and it made me more valuable because I could do so many things. Like, I knew the running back position, the half, you know, the uh, fullback position. And then I knew a lot of spots in special teams. You could put me anywhere out there. So just being just being able to learn, and, you know, and, and, and go out there and execute, that was another thing I think I was pretty good at. I mean, I think to add on to what Anthony said, he was always ready, and he always answered the mm-hmm. call. I mean, I remember – many times on third and one and it was like is he ready and he'd come running out full steam and it was like dude he's ready to truck somebody let's go i i used to love watching him run down people's i mean throats it was impressive to watch all right here's uh last thing that i i have for you anthony and then uh i'll let you guys talk a little bit more but just we like to hand out neck rolls here on the um Mm. on the show for acts of toughness a, would you have ever worn a neck roll if you were going to play pure fullback? And give me somebody that you would give a neck roll to for acts of toughness in the NFL. Somebody that you watch that you really respect because of how tough they are. Um, let's see, let's see. I would, yeah, to answer your question, I would have. If I needed it. I would have worn one if I needed. But uh, this past weekend, um, hey, I got to give it to my boy, another Mississippi State guy, Jonathan Abram. You know what I'm saying? He played. I think three quarters would have torn labrum or something he messed up this weekend. I think he separated and, his shoulder, maybe? Yeah, no he played three quarters like that. Hey, get that man a neck roll. <laughs> 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 he just played three quarters with one arm. You know what I'm saying? And he was still hidden. That was the crazy part. So I have to give it to him. We're definitely going to use the audio of you saying give that man a neck roll in the future for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, our, uh, okay, so uh, Alex... If you want uh, parting words for your mystery guest, uh, Anthony Dixon, please, please go ahead. You guys are former teammates. Booby, Booby, it's great to talk to you again. I wish you nothing but the best. I, I relive a lot of those moments that we had out there laughing about certain defenses and certain guys, and we had fun, and, and uh, I, ho- I hope you're doing well, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, Alex, man. Good hearing from you, dog. I love you. Keep doing your thing, man. Appreciate you, boss. All right, and uh, and I will just tell everyone that I sent Booby a DM, and like forty five seconds later, got back Boone. He was crazy. I'd love to go on with Boone. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is my boy, man. This is going to be great. Well, a lot calmer now. I, I can tell you, uh, uh, Anthony, from a media perspective, there were very few players that were as entertaining to talk with as you. And repeat, uh, appreciate the the respect for the media. And, and Alex was the same way. So always appreciate that, man. And and I hope you're doing well, man. I, I hope you keep it up, and I'll keep following you on Twitter with the hashtag Fireman coming. Yes. Hey, man. Thank y'all, man. Thank y'all for having me. All right, Anthony. Take care, man. All right. Anthony Dixon there, former Buffalo Bill, former San Francisco 49er. How's that for you, Alex? Mystery guest. That was a true mystery guest. I mean, you went deep into the vault. I was trying to think who could it be, who could he 
possibly be thinking of. That would have been the last person I would have guessed, but the greatest person I would have guessed. Yeah, uh, yeah. He absolutely. Was... He would have won the neck roll, by the way, every week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every single week. For sure. Uh, when he played for Buffalo, he would do the same thing that you were describing. Come in on third and one, come in at the goal line, and just hammer it up the middle. And oh, he should have had a neck roll. Uh, but even though I know Vikings fans don't know him well, I thought... What he said about him being a smart player was absolutely true. And even though he does have a great way to him and he's gregarious and funny and everything else, he's very smart. So you can ask him to break down anything and he can do it for you. So I thought that was great insight into how players make it who aren't necessarily the high draft picks. Absolutely. The, the on the bubble guys. That's how they make it. You got to know the system. Listen, special teams and know your system and you'll make the team. I absolutely 100% agree. All right. Let's take a, a quick break here. Then we'll spend the next, I don't know how long for the rest of the show diving into this matchup between the Vikings and the Packers. And, uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, I'll, I'll try to do that every once in a while, Alex. I'll surprise you with a mystery guest. I, I feel like I'm gonna have to find you a mystery guest, now. <laughs> like your third grade math teacher. Or something. Uh, yeah, find me. You know what? There's a joke that we make around here because I used to do uh, minor league baseball play by play. So I'll see players who come up who I, who I called their games. So there's a pitcher for the Yankees, Domingo Herman, and I'll say to these guys, "Oh yeah, great Batavia Muck Dog." They'll be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." So if you dig up some Auburn Double Days or Williamsport Crosscutters or Batavia Muck Dogs, that's what you're gonna have to work with. I mean, it'll be incredible. That'll probably be the best <laughs> show of the year. <laughs> For sure. All right, let's, let's take a break. We'll get back into hardcore Vikings and Packers when we return. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar, this is Purple Daily on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Time for the Score North Download. Jonathan here with the download. We asked the question in the first segment of today's Purple Daily Mike Zimmer's answer to how important this rivalry is. Here it is. You know, when I first got here, this is a team you had to beat every every time in order to get to the top of the division. So I don't think that's changed any, but it's always been a... I think I've had to learn throughout the six years or whatever, you know, how big that the fans treat this. And But we, um, you know, we always pretty much approach it the same way that, you know, they're a really good football team. In order for us to do what we have to do, we need to beat them. So now it's your turn, Vikings fans, to tell us over on Twitter at SKOR North on Twitter at Score North on Twitter how you feel about this Vikings Packers rivalry. Let us know over on Twitter. You can also join Dan Terrar and myself this Sunday at 4 p.m. for Minnesota United and Real Salt Lake from Allianz Field pregame at 4 with kickoff at 4.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. That's been your Score North download. Now back 
to Purple Daily. Really on every level because they got really good pass rush. They've got three linebackers, two, the two that are out there the most, you know, Kendricks and Barr that can really run. And then they've got Harrison Smith's got to be the one of the top, if not the best safety in the, in the National Football League. And you got Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayans. I mean, they, they've got they've got players on all three levels. And then when you combine that with Mike Zimmer's scheme, it's definitely a challenge. It is one of my favorite ways of blowing off a question is to just name the roster. It should be like, so, uh, you know, what did you think of the late 90s Jaguars? You're like, well, they had Mark Burnell and uh, Fred Taylor. He was good. Tony Baselli. Don't worry, I was getting to him. There you go. Uh, They had Keenan McCardle. And like Zimmer this, does it every week. We Zimmer does it. Bill Belichick does it. One time, Bill Belichick named a Buffalo Bill who he was certainly concerned about, who hadn't been on the team in several years. <laughs> I'm really they concerned about this. Too. <laughs> like that yeah. guy doesn't play for the Bills anymore. But okay, Coach, he retired. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is it is funny to talk to players sometimes, Alex, because you'll be like, so what do you think of this guy? And you you think as a reporter, you're like, I'm showing this man that I know football. Right. And he doesn't really know anything about the guy other than his number right. and like what his assignment is. So he'll be like, uh, is that guy number 54? You're like, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, he looks pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. A lot of guys don't want to know like people's names or any like they call them faceless nameless objects because they just don't want to know too much like they're like the more you go into this the weirder it gets and i was okay it's like an assassin like when yeah. you, once you get to know the person you're supposed to you take feel down, bad for yeah. them when you're like beating the crap out of them yeah. that's right like oh they have a dog at home uh all right so <laughs> let me ask you this before we get back into the uh before we get uh back into the the vikings and packers here uh do you ever wear a watch while playing football alex no certainly not a watch why, like a, why would you car. no i i don't know I don't know what that guy's doing. And especially because you're in Cleveland. Like, that's not what your fan base is about at all. And I know that you're not trying to impress anybody, but at the end of the day, you are in the most blue-collar football city in the world. Just play football and don't be that guy. And you're being that guy right now. I'm very much baffled by the Browns for a couple of different news stories. For Odell Beckham trying to wear a watch on the field. I mean... And being shocked that he couldn't. Like, wait, what? I can't wear a a $350,000 watch? I can't wear that? (laughs) I mean, I will say this, that when I don't know what time it is, I, I do get upset. I get angry quickly. <laughs> right? If I don't have, let's say I don't have my phone and I'm not near a clock and I'm like, wait, is it 2.30? Like, it's, it's not a good situation. Um, so I can understand it from that perspective. But usually you could guess because it's sometime between 1 and 4 Eastern uh, yeah. when you're out there playing. That is one of the weirdest things. And if you had blown out Tennessee 43 to 12 or whatever, not a big deal. then you would have been like, ah, it's just Beckham. He caught six touchdowns. Who cares? But now it kind of makes you look like a clown show already after one week question does the fact that the watch kind of look like it matched the outfit does that make it worse <laughs> oh i would have thought if i would have made it better but i know nothing about fashion so uh, reporters always have polo shirts and jeans and those are the only things we own terrible jeans too it's not like really cool jeans like sevens or you know anything like that they're like Horrible dad jeans. Yes. Or they'll be like cargo 100%. shorts that like were used back in Vietnam. Uh, like yep. just bad. Yeah. Uh, well, look, we have recorders to carry and notepads. So and much. Else. You need so much multiple to carry. pockets. 
it's we we all dress exactly the same because you can't you, you can't wear any team colors naturally because you're not part of the team. You're the objective observer, so that eliminates anything. That so do you is, go out of your way to not wear purple? Then oh yeah, I never wear purple. Oh no, God. absolutely not. That's uh, too much. Yeah, no, you can't though because if you show up wearing purple, then it makes it look like you're part of the the team group that covers them or whatever else. So you can't wear that. So you have to wear so, like. You know, gray Listen, or that, something. That's that's where you guys are going wrong. You really want to know the in depth stuff because I know that for a fact that when I saw somebody that looked like they were with the team and they were like, "I want to talk," you'd be like, "God, I have to do this." Okay, and <laughs> you'd be like. Not only that, they'd say, like, hey, listen, you know, tell me about this. You'd be like, I really got to tell them all this. It's with the team. They clearly want me to, like, leak all this. So you'd start talking to them. That's where you guys have gone wrong. You need to pretend like you're part of the team and then just leave with everybody else. <laughs> and that is that is the mistake. That's right. I guess I should have been wearing a, a Vikings uh, hoodie or See? something the whole time. Like, oh, yeah, I'm with the team. Uh, I, th- I think there are these things called ethics that would uh, maybe oh my God, be the reason not to do that. But that's, that's very funny. So I would have said being not good at fashion at all. And here's the other thing, too. So I am now 33 years old. And if I wore the same jeans that Delvin Cook wears as a young 20s rich man, I'd be like... He'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd no. be like, I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> also, can't said, afford those jeans. I never said you have to wear Dalvin Cook's jeans, okay? That's like, a, that's like one whole side of the spectrum that you just went to that you didn't need to go to. I'm just saying some <laughs> respectable jeans that don't look like they're three sizes too big. Uh, so you're saying that I can't get them at, like, Marshalls, like the knockoff ones? <laughs> totally cool with Marshalls. I might shop at Marshalls. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Uh, you? But, you, no, you're 100% right that none of us have cool jeans. I. I don't think that it hurts the credibility. I think it's more authentic. Like, you don't think I'm cool, and I'm not going to try to be cool. There's nothing cool about me. I just but maybe you I, I are watch cool. football tape. No. I'm just, I'm just saying, maybe you are cool. You're just putting yourself down for no reason. Like, you're, oh. you guys don't have to dress like that. I'm saying I need to improve my confidence in the locker room. A little bit. Uh, I, I did um, compliment Stefan Diggs on his shoes that honored an Outcast album from 1996. So I think that that helps my credibility a little bit as a cool guy. I think the shoe game in the NFL is on point lately. Like, it's out of control. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, the I, guys that, like, the messages you get from shoes nowadays is almost mind-blowing. Why can't they wear them? I, I want them to wear them during the games, not just in warm-ups. Because some of them get a little too crazy, and you're like, okay, dude, we get it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's put that issue to rest, okay? You're not going to wear those today, right? You're just, you're just, just warm-ups? Okay, good. You're good. So you are anti-wear the watch, and you're anti-the watch matching also. And I think if you have a watch that's that expensive, you wouldn't want in a football game because you can break any bone you have. So I'm sure that you could break a watch. And where it really just goes wrong is Odell Beckham um, being in a great position to be like, I'm not Antonio Brown. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> I don't you could have went one of two ways right? and you went to the wrong way. Right. Dude, this was a 50 50 shot and you got the wrong answer. No, I agree. I, I've never really been a big fan of his. I think he's a phenomenal player, but I think the dude's a total joke off the field. I think when you bring like attention to yourself like that during a game, I think that's kind of a selfish thing to do. And not only that, but like. You're wearing a $350,000 watch in the middle of a football game. Are you serious right now? It's like a very violent and brutal sport. And, oh, look at me. It's just a cool Ferrari watch that matches my Browns uniform. Like, no, no one cares, dude. Right, we know that you have money. We're aware. We've we seen the it. parking lot. Yeah, <laughs> we get it, dude. You're super cool. Now go catch a ball or do something. Now, here's know? a here's a funnier story that uh, might make you sad for your hometown there in, in Ohio. Easy, um, easy. The, the Cleveland Browns. So a, a player for Tennessee, Logan Ryan, 
picked off a pass, I think, and then went into the stands and someone threw a beer on him, as you might expect in Cleveland, dog pound and all that. It is is not what it used to be, but it still still has that sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he complained about it on Twitter, which I'm sorry, I don't like to do this, but soft. I mean, come on, bro. Right? Yeah, for like, sure soft. For sure. I mean, it's just a beer. No one hurt you. Not uh, only that, but you're in Cleveland. What did you expect? Yeah, you kind of... I, I don't like to blame the victim, and I don't think people should throw things at players. But no, if you go into the stands there at the dog pound, and it's a beer, it's just a little wetness and maybe a little stickiness, like you're you're okay. And I would expect that at most away stadiums that someone would do that to you. It's not a huge deal. Didn't need to be. He could have done it privately where he went to the team and said, hey, can yeah. you just like get this fan out of here? Because that's BS. But to put it out there in public, you're like, oh, come on, bro. This isn't that big of a deal. But... The Browns, in an effort to one-up him, for, they blame the wrong person. <laughs> How funny is that? They got the wrong guy, claimed it was the right guy, and then turned around and said, now you were right, it was the wrong guy. Like That's such a Cleveland move. Like We got him. Dude, I'm not the guy. I don't look like that guy at all. You're so right. You don't. Oh, that's so funny. They need, uh, they need Lenny Briscoe from Law & Order to investigate Dude. who threw the beer. <laughs> Good luck trying to find that guy too. It's... And making it even better is that he had sunglasses on, so like, oh, no one can ID him. <laughs> I think this is. Uh, I get it. Like nobody wants a beer poured on him. That's probably a little cruel. But at the end of the day, who cares? It's football. Just laugh and go with it. Ha ha. I get it. I mean, could you imagine being in a huddle in a national football game and just having the guy next to you smell like beer, like, <laughs> reek of like a Heineken? You'd be like, dude, really? Of all the beers, it had to be a Heineken. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, here's here's what I'm getting at with all of this is that I cannot help myself, Alex, but to believe that some NFL franchises will never, ever, ever in this life get out of their own way. And mm. I'm sorry that one of them, for your sake, has to be the Cleveland Browns, but it's just true. And it wouldn't be surprising at all if they got all these great players, had all this hype. Uh, they forgot about the offensive line, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they're like, let's get another defensive player. Like, let's do it. Some big guys you're missing there. Joe Thomas, I, I've seen him. He weighs like 120 pounds now, so I don't think he's coming back. No. Um, th- that offensive line is abysmal, and Baker Mayfield is still young, and now you've got distracting wide receivers. Your defense couldn't stop Marcus Mariota. All of a sudden, no. just like this in week one, it looks like they're a bus fire. I, I, I'm a firm believer that the only person that was going to stop them was going to be themselves and watching a player get ejected, another player punch another player. Like you, you just can't lose your frustration that quickly. It's the first game of the season and you already have players getting thrown out of the game for kicking people and punching people. This is, it, it's a total cliche Cleveland. They're tripping over their own shoelace and they have a stacked roster, but it, unfortunately guys care more about what they're wearing than their production. And so they're, Hey, listen, dude, you like my watch? Should I wear it out there today? <laughs> Should I wear that one or this one i mean dude but here's my question how pissed is danny right now because he drafted the whole cleveland browns team for this touchdown thing and i went back and looked and started laughing hysterically (laughs) because we were telling him dude this is going to be a dumpster fire and he was like no man i'm sold on it i love this idea no Bad. Yeah, and uh, well, one of my guys got hurt in week one, Joe Mixon, so that didn't help. Of course, Cincinnati did score touchdowns, but just not with my guy. So they half proved me right that they can score touchdowns for my touchdown team. Uh, Danny is upset, but he has he has classic like fake 
uh, confidence. Oh, they'll get a turnaround. They'll get a turnaround. Like, yeah, sh- <laughs> sure. Just like all the other teams that have gotten a turnaround. But uh, how long have we been saying that in Cleveland? Next I, year. I know. Next year. I, I mean, since I was a kid, and it was you know one of the funniest things about my career is that I got to play with a guy named Phil Dawson who was kicking when I was in kindergarten. And I remember <laughs> watching Phil kick when I was in kindergarten. And I got to play with him, and I told him that. He about punched me in the face as hard as he could because he was one of those guys that he loved to just laugh and stuff. But it was every year. Next year, they're going to be so good. And some years, it was like, they're going to be so bad again next year. Like, it's just terrible life growing up like that. So I had decided, after the Bills gave up the... Um, the play in Tennessee, the Music City Miracle, which I'd like to add was a forward pass and should have been illegal. Okay. I'll respect your Cleveland if you respect the forward pass. I'm uh, respecting it. But anyway, I decided at that moment that I was like, you know what? If Cleveland ever comes back, I'm jumping on, I'm jumping on with them because I can't take this anymore, which I'm a kid, so I didn't realize all the stuff that had happened before. And, uh, so then when they came back, I bought a Tim Couch jersey and I was like, oh. I'm going to love Cleveland. This is going to be great. And, uh, it didn't go great. No, no, I bailed on that after a short time. (laughs) I think we all did. (laughs) It was terrible, though, because I was the only guy I felt like in the NFL from Cleveland, and everybody always made fun of me. Like, they were, oh, did the guy mistake by the leg? (laughs) I mean, just, I got called everything. The rust bucket, like, oh, he's from Cleveland, he's from the rust bucket. And I would always look up every week and see Cleveland lose, and I'd be so sad. I'd be like, you know, one of these days they're going to be good. And I was really excited for this year, but now I I don't know what to think. Yeah, and the lake went on fire, and George. Easy. Shot it over Elo and like Easy. he just had some problems okay. there. All right. Come well, on. my first sports memory ever is Scott Norwood missing wide right. So I'm I'm with you on this. Misery. Uh, Misery loves company. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you this before we take a break, and then we will go full Vikings Packers defense. Uh I, I want to talk about the Packers defense here. But if you had a teammate who was wearing a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar watch. I mean, how would everyone, because I imagine everyone thinks this is a joke. So how do you even address this with someone like Odell Beckham, who has been traded mostly because of his personality already? I don't think that I, that OBJ and I would ever be talking in any room ever. <laughs> so I don't think that that would ever be a problem, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you just don't seem like uh, like similar dudes. He has better genes than you. We don't seem like we would be have a lot in common or a lot to talk about. Like, hey, uh, you like my watch? No, I don't at all. I don't wear a watch ever. <laughs> on the field. Uh, yeah, on the field. Just, it is. I mean, even guys who wear chains. What was it? Michael Crabtree got his Akeem chain Tlaib. snatched. Yeah. And I was like on a keep to leave side. I'm like, you wear a chain. It no, might get snatched. No, I was not on a keep to leave side of that. I, I, I think that it's okay to wear a chain when, it, when you go full tilt and grab someone's chain and rip it off you've gone too far yeah the, a little aggressive but a keep to known for that sort of uh that sort yeah. of behavior oh, absolutely but you are you are putting your life in your hands when you decide to wear any type of jewelry on the, on the field so good luck to odell beckham in his battle to wear a watch um maybe it's one that gives him the weather and he can help the kickers <laughs> like see what what if he's what if he's doing ga- in-game analytics on the watch and being that like be a good excuse though we should it be going be a- for it we're checking the wind. We want to see if the wind is uh, east to west still, guys. <laughs> All right, let's let's. Uh, this hour has been ridiculous, and I've enjoyed it. So let's get back into uh, this Packers defense and whether you're buying that they're so much better. That is the big narrative coming out of Week One, but they did play Mitch Trubisky. So let's discuss Alex Boone, Matthew Collar here. This is Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. 
It's Purple Daily. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same. You know, he's he's uh, he's a great coach. I have a ton of respect for Mike Zimmer, uh, what he's done in this league. Um, I love his demeanor. I have a lot of respect for him and, and the way that uh, him and his staff have gone about their business over the years. Uh, he obviously presents a really difficult challenge and, and even greater challenge when you look at the personnel he's got to work with, the number of pro bowlers on that side of the ball. And, you know, it's, a, it's a tough week. You uh, definitely think about all the different things they can do. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone. I've got a couple of thoughts to throw at you, Alex. Let, me, let me start with this. Okay. Uh, Pat Elfline has missed some practice here, and mm-hmm. his status is up in the air. I thought he had a really tough first week, and Dakota Dozier might be the guy that starts instead of him. Now, Dakota Dozier was in New York and had worked with Rick Dennison and decided to come here in part because of Rick Dennison. I think... Alex, just just the theory here. You can tell me if I'm wrong. If a guy follows his offensive line coach somewhere, that that must mean things went well, right? Like the relationship between the O-line coach and the offensive lineman is one that might be as important as any position coach in sports. Oh, absolutely. When you talk about having a coach that has to deal with one of the biggest rooms and one of the biggest games, absolutely. I mean, your your relationship is a lot of what draws you to the game and what keeps you interacted all day. I mean, you're, he's the guy that basically bridging all the questions you have about everything about football, and he's also the guy that you're going to for advice every day. Hey, listen, I need to think about doing this. What do you <laughs> think I should do? And he's going to tell you yes or no, and a lot of times you have to wonder why is he telling you yes or no. And, you know, that's when you start to wonder, well, listen, why is he going against me? What's, you know, what, I don't get this, you know, but when you have a great relationship and you guys can laugh about certain things, he can also be honest about certain things. And I think that that's what makes a coach to play a relationship so special is the honesty. Yeah, there's a trust factor there that if guys can gain with their players, they'll have a job for a long time. I mean, I think it's more important even than, hey, does this running back coach know specific perfect technique or how how well does he coach it? But I think the relationship with the guys is just as important, and they have Kennedy Palomalu, who is very uh, close with Delvin Cook and seems like he's vital to to this entire operation. So these guys aren't, aren't ones that you hear about very often, but they have a lot of importance, so I wouldn't be surprised if Dakota Dozier came in and played pretty well because he has this relationship with uh, Rick Dennison. Well, not only that, but he's been here the whole offseason, and he has familiar, familiarity with this offense. I mean, that's like half half of the problems in the NFL are not being familiar with what you're doing. You know, and you're, In your head, you're kind of playing slower than you should be because you're not sure if you're making the right decision. When you're in a system and you know a team's luring you away from the team that you're previously on, they're like, hey, listen, we're going to run the same system even better the way you did it, same coach, everything. That's a huge reason why you want to go there. Um, okay, let me just throw something else at you. Another thought that I had. So I looked at a bunch of uh, coaches' film last night. You know, I broke down all the coverages as I do. You love uh, it. <laughs> okay. Now, there, all right, let me, let me go here first because we were having a lot of fun last hour. So we might as well carry this over to funny things because okay. I'm, watching, I'm watching a play where the uh, Vikings run a play action. It's crossing route to Stephon Diggs, 31 yards. Linebacker gets sucked up. Everything operates the way it's supposed to operate. And what I was looking for is Irv Smith selling a run block to get – 
everybody to believe that they're going to run. And I thought Irv did a pretty good job of it based on how the linebackers reacted. That's not the funny part. The funny part is that Atlanta's running cover three, and their corner just keeps dropping back and dropping back and dropping back, even though Stephon Diggs has run a crossing route to the other side of the field. And by the end of the play, which started at the 30-yard line of the Vikings, he's on the other 30, and there's no one within 50 yards of him. He's standing there with all of his friends out in the middle of nowhere looking around like, I got it covered, guys. <laughs> Completely clueless. Don't worry, guys. We're good over here in the flat. <laughs> no, I, I'm over the top. Like, I covered my third, all of it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nothing's over there. Like, hey, feel free to help out over here. <laughs> that, that, they used to drive me nuts, too. Like, especially when you see a lineman not working, you'd be like, hey, feel free to help somebody out. They'd be like, no, dude, I'm good. I'm <laughs> so good where I am right now. I'd be like, wow. How, this guy. how often is it in a film session, is something, does something come up where you're, you just think it's hilarious? I mean, and oh, are you allowed to think it's hilarious? Yeah, all the time. It's, it's like a bunch of 16 year olds sitting in a room. So the minute, I mean, there's times. So this is the truth. When you're watching, as an offense, it's very serious because the OC is either really, really pissed off about a couple plays and he <laughs> wants to show everybody, or he's really pissed about the whole game and you're going to watch it as it like offense. So that so you, you're, there's no laughing, and there'll be some real laughable moments because sometimes the camera angle and you've seen it on the All 22, mm-hmm. you get different camera angles than you would on TV, so you're seeing things more close up and more yes. vividly. So you get better angles of what funnier things that you're looking for but when you're in an offensive line room it is one of some of the funniest i mean we used to pull out snacks and skittles and like gummy bears (laughs) and just power aids and we would just sit back and laugh and joke about stuff now there was times where it got serious and those were sad days because when an offensive line coach is mad he's really pissed Mm -hmm. and he's you know his wife's probably been yelling at him for a while and he's taking it from the head coach the gm the owner so now you're gonna get it and Mm -hmm. it's those are not good days. So what is one of the funniest things that you could think of that you saw on tape that you guys laughed about? Uh, <laughs> I can think of a lot of things that we laughed about, but none of them you could talk about. I mean, it was just, I mean, sometimes it was the way guys would get, you know, maybe a guy would get beat. You'd be like, dude, there's no coach. Re- rewind that real quick. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden the, the whole room would kind of catch on to what you're looking at. One more time. Hold on. Wait a minute. So you didn't even touch. You didn't even touch the guy. So wait a minute. You didn't even touch. And then you'd sit there. You'd be like, what kind of a fine is that going to be? That's going to be something amazing. And it was, and that's when you would start laughing at guys and it got not so fun. Yeah. There are sometimes on the game film where you see someone like just fall down and a giant man falling down like that is never going to be good, right? It's it's not going to be graceful. And then just like roll. There was a play last year where Steven Weatherly, I think he got a sack and then just rolled out of the picture like himself. I think there's a play. I was reading your article about Irv Smith and I liked it. I liked your article a lot. Thank you. Uh, There was a play though. And something funny actually happened. It was, I think it was Garrett Bradbury was running and out of nowhere, he just trips. And we used to, And he just like it's like he trips over his own two feet and he just face plants right into the ground and I was laughing hysterically. But that's like something that in an offensive line room we would have killed you for. Like we would have destroyed you and we would have fined you for looking silly. But if you're in an offensive room, it's not funny. It's and then the coach is like, Look at this, you know, so and so can't even run straight, you know? And then it's like and then it's even funnier because the coach has brought attention to it. You're like, just don't laugh. Just don't laugh. It's all laugh. It'll oh, be fine. I see it. Yeah, yeah I hard. spotted it. I spotted it. <laughs> He's just running and he completely trips over his own feet. It's like his head weighed more than the rest of his body and yeah, it just you, took him down. You can't do that that's in terrific. real life. Um, Sorry. 
So you read the Irv Smith piece. Let's talk about that for a second. I think he it could be a very, very valuable piece in this offense. And I wasn't sure of that coming out of training camp, but I liked the things that I saw on tape from him, the details of him really making the effort to make blocks. And which is, I think a lot of it is, are you trying out there? But then there were some good things, even in the way on the one that you're talking about, the Garrett Bradbury falls. Irv Smith angles his body well, and he cuts off the angle for the safety. Just stuff like that that shows a little bit of extra effort and detail that I wasn't sure what to expect from a guy who was playing his first NFL game coming as, as a rookie. Oh, I agree with you. I like a lot of the things that you were talking about in your article about how well he sells things. I think that kind of falls into being a role player. you know. And I think that when you talk about guys in this league, everybody wants to be a superstar. We were just talking about OBJ. Everybody wants to be OBJ. But at the end of the day, you can't be OBJ. You have to be whoever your team needs you to be. And for Irv Smith right now, it's things like this, selling out on the backside of a play action to make it look like run, but it's really not run, and you know you're not getting the ball. Or when they tell you, hey, listen, we need you to chip that really mean defensive end that's going to come screaming off the ball at 100 miles an hour trying to kill you because you just got in his way. And by the way, you're not the primary or secondary or even the third read on this, but go really hard and really fast and you're not getting the ball. I mean, it's tough sometimes when you hear these guys in their meetings taking notes like, okay, got it. Chip defensive end, you are not getting ball. (laughs) You're like, like, so basically you're a glorified uh, offensive lineman. You get no credit and nobody likes you. Got it. Right, right. But His family was very proud of his zero catches for zero yards. But I like what you said about how, listen, there's only 10 passes. You can't clearly think that you're going to get one. Mm -hmm. You have Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. You even have Kyle Rudolph on the team and Dalvin Cook. Those guys take priority over you getting the ball. So you know going into the game, hey, listen, I know I'm not going to get the ball, but I know i got to sell out on the run blocks. That's where I'm going to show up. That's how I'm going to make a name for myself in this league to start is going to be the run game, in the play-action game. And then all of a sudden my chipping ability is going to get really, really good. People are going to want me to be out there. I can recall tackles saying, listen, I want to Delaney Walker to give me my chip. I don't want anybody else but Delaney Walker. So they'd say, okay, well, now we got to make up a call for Delaney to be on the field on these hmm. plays. Because the, the tackles would say, no matter what happens, if it's not Delaney Walker, don't chip. And they'd be like, well, we have to chip. It's, you know, it could be Von Miller that week. Right. Or it could be so. We need to chip every once in a while. Then it has to be Delaney because he knows how I like it and he does. He's not going to screw it up. And that's one of those things that if you become a role player like that, your name becomes so big on the team. Guys want you around more. And then you become more of a pivotal offensive role. Yeah, and I think it depends on, as a person, and Irv Smith strikes me as just a very much like a straightforward football guy. As a person, what do you want out of this? I mean, do you want to be known on Instagram or do you want to be on TV catching touchdown passes all the time? Or do you want to be, and sometimes you have to make this choice. There are only a few players. Rob Gronkowski gets to be both, uh, where he's loved in the room for all the little things he does as a great blocker and out there for his fantasy numbers and everything else. But how many players can we really say that for? Only a handful in the entire NFL. So if you want to be loved inside the room and rewarded with a second contract and all those things, uh, you got to do the things he did. And you talk about the chipping. It's a small thing, but they're going to play Chicago eventually. And if you don't chip Khalil Mack, good luck with playing sports that day (laughs) because someone's going to die. And uh, that's what happened last year when they played him but there was a the play that i picked out where he chipped vic beasley and it wasn't something that was knocking him across the screen or that john madden would be picking up and going boom on this but he did enough to get the inside hip of of beasley to just revert uh, his angle and then
then Brian O'Neill just slides himself out there and doesn't have a whole lot to do because it's like you're, you're going to take all day to get to our quarterback from where you are across the field. And so just the little thing there from Smith to make that effort. I was watching a little bit of uh, Mike Gusecki in Miami um, last year. And I thought this guy does not care about this at all when it comes to the blocking. Like he, he has none of it. He is chipping is pathetic. He's not even really trying. He wants, he wants to catch balls. He wants to be a large wide receiver. And for this team right now, running this Gary Kubiak offense with two tight ends in half of the time in this game. I mean, this is exactly what you need. And I wasn't sure that I would be this impressed, but I really was. No, I agree with you. I, I was impressed. I think that when I, and I, you know, I was even more impressed with your, I like this article that you wrote. Like the more that you watch these plays, the more that you're like, yeah, I get it. He shows up. But I think the thing that's important is that he has embraced this role and his time's going to come because eventually the Adam Thielens are going to be covered. The Stefan Diggs are going to be covered. The Kyle Rudolphs are going to be covered. And you're a two tight end offense. So now all of a sudden you're going to show up. And when your name gets called, you got to answer it. Like, People are going to give you your opportunity just for the mere fact that there are so many playmakers on this offense. People are going to forget about you entirely. Like, hey, who are we going to worry about this week? Certainly not that guy. Like, <laughs> Out of all the names above him, yeah. he was the last one we were worried about. So your name will get called. And the only way to show up right now is through your blocking and through your downfield blocking. And does he go after safeties? Is he aggressive? Does he sell out on the backside of a play action? I mean, it's not fun. I get it. I know. I was offensive lineman. I know it's not fun. But when you're in there and the offensive line's like, man, this guy's great. This guy's great for blocking. This guy's great for catching. You sell out for guys like that. Hey, I really, you know, one of the people was Frank Gore. And Frank always sold out for everybody other than Frank Gore. And it didn't matter who it was. He was like, listen, if somebody else has a chance to get the ball, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get it to him. And I love that about Frank. So when Frank got the ball, you found everybody was working as hard, if not harder, than they could to get the lanes open for him because they knew at the end of the day everything's going to be reciprocated. I know that at the end of the day, if this is a pass and it's coming to me and they're going to blitz and maybe it's going to go to the high route, I know Frank's going to stay in and pick up that blitz because he's smart and he cares about me. And that's when you get a team gelling together and you get guys like Irv Smith in this offense that go, hey, listen, I know I'm not a big name right now, but my name's going to get called, and when it does, I'm going to answer the bell. Yeah, and the mentality that this team has taken on at different points when they've been successful in the Mike Zimmer era does have a lot of different people contributing who are like this, who are not necessarily your Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen, and those guys like to do the dirty work too. They block down the field as much as anybody. Adam Thielen had a lead block in this game, and that's always been impressive to me that both of those guys do their job in blocking but when you have in 2017 it's david morgan stepping up as a blocker in week one cj ham was great in this game blocking yep. uh, right he was a monster in this game and yep. it's like those are the things if you're gonna not gonna have tom brady's your quarterback or drew Brees your quarterback these are the things that are going to have to happen in order for you to be really good which i guess leads us next when we come back to the green bay defense and whether they are actually legit and scary, and it's going to be tough in Lambeau, or was it just that they were playing in week one against a quarterback who's not that great? Let's talk about that when we come back, uh, or maybe a combination of both. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar, it's Purple Daily here on Score North. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolget, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition, on demand right now, anywhere you find pod your favorite podcast, or you can just go to scorenorth.com, click on shows, and it's Minnesota Sports Rewind.
They've got playmakers again. They've got the, the run game, and they got Thielen and Diggs and uh, Kyle Rudolph. You can't forget about him. They have weapons all over the all over the field. And then you know, I, I know Kirk Cousins pretty well. I was with him in Washington. Got a lot of respect for him. And if you let him sit back there and and have time, he's going to pick you apart because he's extremely accurate. So it is it is a challenge in terms of what you're trying to take away. But I, I think the game always starts up front. You know, we got to own the line of scrimmage. Slightly distracted by the epic nature of this music, John. Yeah, I, I mean, right? th- this is. Like, I didn't choose it. It's just in there. This is like <laughs> Sunday's game. Hey, just trying to build like, it up. It's yeah, a rivalry no, game. I know. That, it's a rivalry game, guys. Come on. I, I was just Let's envisioning the going. slow motion highlights. You know, <laughs> uh, over that, like it just is. It was extremely epic. Um, yes. So, yes. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. Let's talk about this Green Bay defense. What, what did you think? Did you think? Whoa, they got some ball players uh, over there. Or did you think, uh, Trubisky bad at football, so not that big of a deal? I think it's a little bit of both. And when I say this, I don't want everybody to get mad. I think the D line looks way different with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. I think they look way different, and they look like they were coming. But I think a lot of it, too, was Mike Pettin. I mean, you throw in an exotic coordinator who's going to throw a lot of crazy things at you, and you throw in an offense on the other side who hasn't played in the preseason at all, which I am very much against. Even as a player, I was against it. But it's bound to be a little bit of the defense looking really, really good and the offense looking terrible. I mean, the first play, they fumbled the ball. Were you really ready for the 100th season to kick off? You fumbled the ball on the first play. You should be ashamed of yourself. I think Go it's perfect home. for a Bears offense. Absolutely. It is perfect. Go home. Like, seriously. It's got to drive people nuts at the end of the day. You don't play the whole preseason, and then the first play, you come out with this. And then the next four quarters looks even worse. It's just... it's. I think if people are jumping on this bandwagon and saying this defense is great, I think there's still a lot to be seen. It's still Mitch Trubisky at the end of the day. But if you were going to have uh, things happen to be emblematic of the 100 years of football, the Jets quarterback getting mono and the <laughs> Bears fumbling and uh, the Browns have a watch controversy and the Vikings defense was good. Like all these things kind of match up with uh, with history. So, But Mike Pettin is an interesting guy to me, Alex, because I covered him in Buffalo and uh, maybe someday he'll be a mystery guest on the show. I don't know. But he is a really smart defensive mind. When he was in Buffalo, I was super impressed. I saw lots of players get better under him. And last year was his first year in Green Bay. Did not have a whole lot to work with. The corpse of Clay Matthews was out there. But other than that, it wasn't great. And now there's so much talent. I think Zadarius Smith is the most underrated player in the NFL and is an incredible talent. And now he's got guys to work with. Jair Alexander's in his second year. What is it that he does as a defensive coordinator that is is, uh, well, I guess just good, dangerous, should what, concern the Vikings? What doesn't he do? I, I think that when you talk about a defensive coordinator, you think about a lot of people. I don't think Mike Pettin's one of the names that comes to your mind, right? Like You think Vic mm-hmm. Fangio, Mike Zimmer. Okay, got it. Those are some big guys. Mike Pettin, what he's going to do is throw some of the most exotic defenses at you, and it looks like it's coming from the left, and you're almost 200% sure because there's seven guys standing over there, but then at the last second, the ball gets snapped, and 12 guys come from the right. It's... It's a lot of guessing, and it's a lot of, at the end of the day, where's my safety? And I think the reason that they did so well with it was because, number one, it's Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not I'm not in any way thinking that Mitch Trubisky is bad or good. I just think he's a mediocre quarterback. I don't think he's a guy that you want throwing the ball 45 times. And I don't think it's hard to fool him. So I think that Mike Pettin's going to have to step his game up a little bit. I think this defense is going to be more challenged this week. And I think that if... 
if I were the Minnesota Vikings, I would expect them to throw some of the most exotic looks at us because not only have we shown that we can give up pressure off simple rushes, but imagine what we could do if we could confuse a rookie center. Like It could be mm-hmm. astronomical for our defense if we could get this center to start buying into some of the things that we got Mitch Trubisky to buy into. Uh, I'm looking up his numbers when he was in Buffalo, but the pressures were such a huge part yeah. of his success. Caused a lot of turnovers, got a lot of sacks with that team, and that seems kind of like what they're going to go for. And you mentioned the offensive line. That would be a huge concern for me going into this game because, you you know, obviously I was looking through the game on the coach's film, and there were a lot of moments in, against Atlanta where I went, oh, that wasn't good. Uh, right. there, there's one with Garrett Bradbury that's a pressure from straight up the middle where, where he, he gets thrown. Yeah, yeah he gets thrown. He's, he's leaning too much, and he's not. he doesn't trust himself because, number one, he's a rookie. Number two, he knows he's smaller than everybody, and the nose technically he was going against was a big guy, but he shouldn't have ever been scared of a big guy like that that's not going to threaten anybody. The truth is, last week is bothering people because – That defense is so vanilla when it comes to how they run things. They're not going to go super crazy off the wall like Mike Pettin is. Mike Pettin would draw up something in the sand if they would let him. (laughs) The minute he thinks of it, like, hey, guys, wait, wait, time out. Run this instead. Do this. I've played his defenses many times, and you're looking around, and you're like, man, this is really – this just doesn't seem right. Something's funky about this defense. And then at the last second, safety start running across the field, and you're like, man, we guessed wrong. Oh, boy. (laughs) And that's when you hope that your quarterback's on. And – Two, you start getting a little bit of pressure on that quarterback and things start happening a lot faster for him. And then all of a sudden he starts getting spooked and you got an offensive line that might be a little bit of a problem, guys. We got to attack him. And how else can you do that? Because when you know that they can run the ball in Minnesota, well, now all of a sudden you got to worry about stopping that. Well, listen, when we know they're going to pass it, we have to throw this, everything at them that we can. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the numbers from when he was the defensive coordinator in Buffalo. They had 23 picks, which was second in the league. They had 57 sacks, which was second. They had 103 quarterback hits, which was fifth. I mean, and that team had a lot of talent. So they, there were a lot of good players. That was 2013. And that was the last time I think that he had a ton of talent on the defensive side. I believe the Bills had Mario Williams, right? Yeah. They would have signed him. And Nikel Roby Coleman, who's turned out to be a really good player. Aaron Williams, you might remember, was good. Marcel Darius was trying then. Kyle Williams was a great player. Jerry Hughes. So they had a ton of talent. And Stephon Gilmore, too. So lots and lots of good players. But I I think finally Green Bay has lots and lots of good players, too. And all you're talking about with these exotic things that he could throw at you, you can only do them if you have a lot of talent. And now in Green Bay, it seems like Mike Pettin does. So I I go into this game thinking, you know, the, the Vikings can definitely win this game. But if the offensive line can't handle what Mike Pettin is throwing at him, uh, it's going to be a major problem. No, absolutely. And, and it, it's only a problem because if you're going to make – when you take away the pass game, once again, you make the game one-dimensional. If we're just going to have to run the ball the whole game, well, then we're just going to let them load up the box, and then it just became so much tougher. And then when they think that we're going to throw the ball, they're just going to throw a whole bunch of exotic stuff at us, and we have to guess right, and we got a rookie center. It's a lot to compute, and, and I think that they can be fine. Absolutely. Listen – do I think Minnesota could go in here and do exactly what they did against Atlanta? Absolutely. I think they can go in and throw the ball ten times and still win this game and still not have a problem because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a run game and the Vikings defense is just going to pin their ears back like they've been doing. So it's definitely winnable, but what you don't want to do is play into their favor and say, hey, listen, you know, on third down we're going to let them trick us. Keep it simple on the offensive side. I've seen so many coaches come in and they're like, listen, we're going to point to the right but slide to the left. And you're like, nope, that has <laughs> zero chance of working, ever. Like someone's guaranteed to mess this up. 
somewhere. And it's probably going to be somebody in the backfield messing it up. But that's okay. We're not going to do that. And and so they can definitely win this game. Just don't let don't play into the Packers' favor. Okay, so here's a question for you. Which matchup intrigues you more? Is it Aaron Rodgers versus the Vikings defense, which really looked on, especially Everson Griffin last week? He was the number one guy I was watching on defense, and what a beast. I mean, the yeah. fourth quarter, he's still rushing full out, which he shouldn't be on the field probably, but I know you'll tell me he should be because he should be playing football as a football player. I wouldn't want to yeah. get him hurt, but either way, he's still rushing like crazy in the fourth quarter trying to sack Matt Ryan. And that I think that sets the tone, and I'm really interested to see that in Lambeau against this new offense, but there's certainly a good case to say the Packers' defense versus um, a Vikings offense that we only saw throw ten times. So which one is more interesting to you? The Vikings offense versus the Packers defense, just because both are so new. I mean, obviously the Vikings offensively have a new scheme going on with the Kubiak Stefanski. So I'm going to be excited to see if they're going to try and just stick to the model that they did last week. Like, hey, listen, they don't really pose a threat to us yet until they show us they pose a threat. So let's just go out there and plan on running the ball 50 times and throwing it 15. And if, you know, at halftime we need to come in and say, hey, we need to pick this game up because Aaron's doing something that different. I think that I say that because Aaron Rodgers has played this defense numerous times. So it's nothing new to him. It's not, it, the, the players are still the same guys. I mean, even the guys up front blocking for him are the same guys. So I think when you look at that, that's just a testament of wills. That's going to be who's going to make the least amount of mistakes. You know, can we, outthink Mike Zimmer at the end of the day. If not, he's definitely going to smoke us. But I think that when you talk about this new offensive scheme versus this entirely new defense, I think then you're talking about an intriguing matchup. Now this is, uh, to me, a very fascinating matchup between the Packers' offense and the Vikings' defense. I don't know if I would pick that as more intriguing because I do want to see more of the Kubiak-Stefanski passing game specifically uh, with the play actions and things like that and see if they can hit some shot plays down the field because, again, they just didn't really need to do that. But the Matt LaFleur influence, the McVay connection, all those things, and you go back to last year in the game against Los Angeles where Sean McVay seemed to have cracked some Mike Zimmer code Mm -hmm. and lit up the Vikings defense like I had rarely ever seen before since I started covering this team in 2016. And that's where I wonder with Matt LaFleur, like, what does he know and what could he possibly dial up that Sean McVay would have done last year? Or has Mike Zimmer fixed those things? Um, because LaFleur was brought in here for a reason. And, and I don't know that, uh, you know, he's exactly the next Sean McVay, like everyone would want to, um, you know, call anybody that knows Sean McVay and make them a head coach. But the, the connection there. Um, to me, it makes sense to say that there are probably some things that could get the Vikings if he dials them up correctly. Yeah, but I think the problem is, once again, you're talking about two totally different teams. On one hand, you have a team that has Todd Gurley last year who was running all over people. And not only that, but is a huge threat out of the backfield, and that exposed Barr. And now you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, who has zero run game threat, and we're just hoping that eventually somebody gets scared enough that they load this box and Aaron Rodgers can run around. I don't see that becoming essentially a key matchup to me. I see Zimmer saying, listen, I'm going to keep nickel out there at worst case scenario, maybe even dime. I'll even throw Penny out there and dare you to run the ball, and I want to see you do it. Yeah, I I mean... (laughs) The, the Packers were not able to do that last year against the Vikings, and they definitely, on the defensive side, were not able to stop Kyle Rudolph. And I think if we're picking out all the players 
who are key to this win potentially for the Vikings. I put him way up there. Of course, the offensive line has to perform well. They have to slow down Zadarius Smith. But Rudolph, I didn't think had a particularly good game blocking last week. I thought he struggled at times. Um, But when he's at his best, he's getting 10 yards down the field and catching first downs on third and eight, right? I mean, he just has great hands and he can box people out. And he was underutilized last year. 10 passes. We don't know exactly how they're going to utilize him this year, but against Green Bay, he had two of his best games. And I think if he could do that again, then that might be one of those keys to the game because you know that Thielen and Diggs are going to do their thing. And you know that Delvin Cook is going to find gaps and create some big plays. But if you actually have to go back and forth with Aaron Rodgers a little bit, um, you, you definitely have to have uh, Kyle Rudolph step up here. Yeah, but how exciting for the Minnesota Vikings. Like, not only did you not have to put any more than 10 passing plays on film the rest of the game was all pretty much outside zone so if you're the green bay packers you're like listen we didn't see a lot of their passing game so we're not sure what they're going to dial up running game let's just plan for everything they're mm-hmm. going to throw trap power counter power toss everything we, we got to practice against everything but you don't have any tendencies you don't have a lot of stuff on film like how nice is it to go into lambeau field for once like hey you know what they know nothing about what we're going to do it's kind of exciting uh, I got a question on Twitter from Adam. Please tell me the penny defense is a real thing. For sure. Penny? What is the penny defense? Well, let's see here. If nickel, we add another DB. If the dime, we added another DB. Then penny, we have to... Add another DB. Boom, boom. <laughs> so how many is that then? Is that eight? Uh, pretty much. Okay. Penny defense. Yeah, All like right. if you were in a prevent defense, they'd be like penny, penny, penny. <laughs> Uh, so I, I had an idea for this, and I hope that uh, Declan and Jonathan have been paying attention because you, you like to use lots of football terminology, and I want them to keep track of things that they need to have you explain at the end of the show. Okay, so, let's hear it. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Um, that. That's why these guys are here. So, <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have stopped you at, uh, at, no, at Penny Defense because then we could have uh, got to the end of that. Um, so, okay, sorry. W- what are we missing here? We've kind of like hashed this thing out. We've got the Packers improved defense. We've got the uh, Aaron Rodgers and is he washed? And you keep demanding that he's washed. So, uh, <laughs> you know what? I think the thing that is still left to talk about would be the mentality of this Vikings team because last year they showed a little bit of will and grit to come back and uh, tie the Packers, should have beat them, of course. Right. And and we thought, oh, look, some resilience here. And then uh, what happened with Everson Griffin happened, and the Buffalo loss happened. And, and this team, uh, a lot of times, just didn't show that kind of extra level of toughness that they had in 2017. And that's the thing that I can't really predict or tell you how it's going to go, but the intangible element of it, when you play Green Bay, I think there's got to be some of that there. Oh, absolutely. And then think about this. You have one of the toughest, most physical running backs in your backfield. Let him run. Let him set the tempo. Let him set the tone. And everybody will just feed off of that. It's It baffles my mind sometimes when people are like, well, who's the who's the X factor? Who's the leader? It's, well, it's whoever gives the spark on that team. And to me right now in this offense, it's Dalvin Cook. He's the guy that's physically running people over, I mean, just doing everything he can for every yard. Let him be the spark this offense needs, and let just let him ride out in Lambeau Field. All right, I'm going to take a break here, and uh, we'll, see if, we'll see if Declan and Jonathan need anything clarified. And then also, 
Um, has Alex Boone ever had mono? We'll find out when oh, we boy. come back. <laughs> You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Time for the Score North download. Jonathan here with this hour's download. If you're keeping track of the home run race in the major leagues between the teams, anyways, Yankees currently up 10 to 4 over the Tigers. They've hit two home runs today, which, if you're counting, puts them just one over the Twins in that home run race. Yankees have 278, Twins have 277. We discussed yesterday on Mackie and Joe Dothrami how important that record means to you. Twins fans, let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SK1 North on Twitter. And the countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon weekend is on. It's not too late to sign up for the TC10K, TC5K presented by Fredrickson and Byron or the Medtronic TC family of events featuring races for kids of all ages. To learn more or sign up, visit tcmevents.org or visit scorenorth.com, keyword marathon. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, for this final segment, because uh, Alex Boone is one of the most football people I've ever met, and that's a huge compliment to you, Alex. I hope so. Uh, and so when you get footballing and like breaking it down, the, the, the verbiage comes out, and you get excited, and it's great. And uh, so Declan and Jonathan are here, and sometimes they'll look at me and be like, hmm, what does that mean for uh, some of the stuff that you say? So I have now instructed them to write down things that they want clarified from you, like like you explained the penny defense having extra defensive backs. Okay. So what what do you guys have to for Alex over? Uh, this could be from Tuesday or Thursday. Things that you need explained. Okay, here's one for you, Alex. That okay. that came in today. What the hell is a road grader? <laughs> a road grader is somebody that is a running blocking offensive lineman. Like he's a road grader, you know. You never okay. heard that? No, yeah. I actually haven't. I have not. So oh, I, I worked, coaches um, love that term. Like he's a real road grader. I worked road construction once, and it's a real thing. <laughs> I mean, they, they have to tear up the pavement first. It's this big giant machine, and it rolls over the pavement, and it shreds it up, and just plows everything, and then they pave it the fresh pavement. Wow, that is a road grader. And if you think of an offensive lineman just pushing people out of the way. Yeah, He's I get it now. Grading. Okay, well, there you go. now I learned something. Okay, what do, you, what do you got, Jonathan? All right, Alex, on Tuesday you mentioned these two letters, M-A. Oh. Mature audiences? <laughs> That's <laughs> no. what I thought. You do, M-A's are bad. Missed assignments. Okay. Makes also sense. known as M-E's, mental errors. Mental errors and missed assignments. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jonathan, the one that you texted me, you can't ask if you want. Okay, squatty body. We've heard it a couple <laughs> times from Zimmer. Squatty what body. What the hell is a squatty body? <laughs> A, like a like a like a fire hydrant type body, like yeah, that? yeah, like but, somebody that's a real fire plug, you know, like a like one of those real. Like I'm trying to think of like a fullback, like a Zach Line. He's a squatty. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Line was the perfect squatty body. Someone who is thick but not tall, I exactly. Think, right. Uh, yeah. So Mike Zimmer said it about Brett Jones and poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. I don't is... know if squatty body really applies to that, but that's being very would, generous. Would yeah. Rami qualify as a squatty body? Uh, that's being generous. That, okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> he definitely has a body. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, th- thank you, fellas. Let's do this all yeah. the time, because that's great. Um, you ever have mono, Alex? No, never. Me man. either. Man, that is... Sounds like it's not fun because Sam Darnold is going to now miss multiple football games with mono. That's incredible. The fact that they can't get this figured out is even more incredible to me. And this Monday night game against Cleveland, it's a big game. It's going to be a big game for both teams. I, I was just watching the New York game against Buffalo, and they blew that game. They blew the lead in the fourth quarter. That's because the quarterback must have had mono at the That's, time. 
He got it at halftime. That's what happened. <laughs> he I was guys, kissing I, someone at halftime. I, and guys, got uh, mono. What if they were like, "Hey, Sam did leave at halftime, though, didn't he? Like early to get that hot dog." <laughs> I did see him, uh, you know, put a football up in the stands for a girl there, like the the baseball players. Remember, Alex Rodriguez wrote his number on a baseball and had oh, a clubby man. take it to the the girl in the stands. Well, I won't get any further into that. But uh, no. the the New York Jets are definitely one of the teams we were talking about earlier, who just has this incredible ability to blow it, even when things look great for them. I mean, Sam Darnold is a young, talented quarterback. They have this supposed quarterback guru head coach. They have a great running back in Le'Veon Bell. And here they are botching it by their quarterback getting mono. It just, I don't know. There's no take here. I'm just marveling at it. You couldn't make this up. No, you couldn't. And not only that, but to go out and to lose to Buffalo after you've been winning the entire game, it, it's incredible to me. I I, I think that C.J. Mosley has paid off his contract like a Khalil Mack type thing. I think he's earned it in one game and showed that he is where he is because of making plays like that, the interception, and, and just showing up all over the field. But Le'Veon Bell... I don't know what to say. I'm going to be honest. I was very disappointed in his performance, and I thought that he could run behind any offensive line. And they were a good offensive line on paper, and they were majorly disappointing. Don't you think that uh, the coaching situation there is just going to make everyone who's good look worse? I mean, that's when Adam Gase started out with his first press conference with his eyeballs all over the place. Oh, yeah, it was bad. You knew they were were looking for blood. Right? I mean... Blood in the water, sharks will come. It's the New York media, it's not Jacksonville, and that would have been weird if it was Jacksonville. (laughs) Right? It's not Jacksonville. That's a terrible thing to say. Sorry, Jacksonville. I'm from Buffalo. I can say these things. There you go. you got to say it's not Buffalo. Like you got to make it throw in your own city. You can't throw in another city. Right. But if you had a squatty body, which you don't, but if you did and you were like, that guy's a squatty body like you could do it um you could uh, so anyway i don't know i this this game all of a sudden with them and the browns on the schedule looked like it was going to be fantastic and now who cares because trevor simeon's playing sorry former viking trevor simeon but i never talked to you so i can just say it this way there you're you not go. very good what if they win though <laughs> what if they beat cleveland and cleveland's zero and two with the roster that they have actually does somebody, does somebody get fired that's a great question because yeah i mean freddie kitchens is all of a sudden on the hot seat already with yeah. if, if it's two weeks because of the amount of hype that they had going into it and if the jets lose and go to zero and two even with sam darnold going out with a disease usually that 14 year olds get um I, <laughs> I i feel like the pressure becomes on them too i mean they were supposed yeah. to Make a, a big jump this year and be, um, you know, rebuilding with that quarterback rookie contract. That's why they spent the money on CJ Mosley because they've got the rookie contract for Sam Darnold. And then all of a sudden they're under pressure too. It's, it's amazing how there can be such, um, swings early in the season. But do you think that Adam Gase will play the GM that they fired? When they say, hey, listen, this wasn't the year we expected. Well, it wasn't me. It was all him. Was <laughs> oh, him. yes. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I just yeah. feel like he set yep. this up perfectly so that when they do come around and say, hey, we're 0 2, you go, hey, listen, we got rid of the problem. Okay. I'm just trying to be the solution here and I'm trying to figure it out. And I don't think that his opening press conference talking about players and the contracts, I didn't think that was right. Yeah. I mean, not only are you a coach, but now you're kind of playing the GM role. So you you have lines, and there's waters that you're not allowed to dip your toes into. And you kind of did that a little bit. So started off a little shaky to me as a player. I'd have been like, listen, dude, I'm not cool with what all that you said. I'm not cool with any of that. Yeah, so, it's, not, it's not supposed to be the head coach's business what people are making. And, right. and 
Mike Zimmer made this same mistake with Xavier Rhodes, and uh, Rhodes had a fine game the other day, although Matt Ryan was under outrageous amounts of pressure. So let's see like when... play one. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. When, uh, you know, usually people try to block Anthony Barr is how most teams do it, but... Who, who who did Jake Matthews think was coming to block him out of nowhere? Like, hey, I'm going to let the lone guy go. Don't worry, somebody will get him. What a bold strategy. Uh, I swear, I went back to watch that play so many times to figure out who was wrong. It's definitely Jake Matthews. It was everyone. Uh, but it was funny to hear Anthony Barr talk about it after the game because he said he was so shocked that no one decided to block him that for a minute he was like wait is this a trap like is it is there is there a tight end yeah is there a little a little wham block going on there i I was uh you know i was gonna say that i was surprised that bar went went as smooth as he did like he didn't miss a beat as soon as the ball was up he just took off because normally those guys will hesitate like wait a minute this is not right i should not be running at the quarterback like this yeah that that was uh i don't think that's going to happen too many times at lambo when they can communicate um but you know alex we talked about last week how this game, uh, the first game of the year, was big against Atlanta. Just to get yourself off on the right foot, and at the end of the year, you look back at that one and say, "I know it was only Week One, but it ended up mattering for the wild card race or for the division race, whatever it might be." And I feel like even though we always say Green Bay is going to be a big game, this one early in the season has some implications here, especially when you look at uh, the fact that the Chicago Bears are playing Denver, and I just do not have a whole lot of faith that Denver. Denver is going to be a good team at all. Nope. So Chicago's got an opportunity to get back in it. And it's it's a it's a race, and it's a long one for us to cover over a bunch of months, but it's only 16 games. So I, I look at this one as being, um, as being pretty important. But I don't know if you uh, agree with me there. I think Detroit could even bounce back against Los Angeles, and for sure Chicago can take Denver. I, I think that for sure Chicago can take Denver. I don't know about the Lions – Beating Detroit's, what, what do you get? I mean, that's another team where you're like, can you just fire your coach now? I know. I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, you tie with the rookie quarterback. I don't know what I'm thinking about your team right now, and I'm watching him just disastrous again. But I think the problem is Chicago's on the outside looking in right now because they lost to Green Bay. And mm-hmm. this game has huge implications because the winner is basically taking a big step in, in holding the North cards. And I mean, Chicago's already out of it because they've lost to Green Bay. So now you have the two teams going at it that really are going to be in the fold later down the road. Now, I'm not saying Chicago can't come back in it, but as of right now, losing the first game against the Packers was not how you wanted to start the season at all. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, the Chicago team is, is, is one that I just don't really have a great feel for because I 100% believe in regression. Teams sliding oh, yeah. back if you get... Um, even usually if you win the division, have a great year. Somebody goes from worst to first every year, which means somebody went from first to somewhere else, right? right, uh, right, right. And, and we see teams that have elite quarterbacks continually from year to year stay at the top, but everybody else is always shuffling around. And even when you look at the Vikings last year, they were bound to dip back after a 13-3 and season in 2017. And Chicago strikes me as the team that could be that way too. But at the same time, I've seen Akeem Hicks play football and Khalil yeah. Mack. I just... I have a very um, very tough time getting a feel for them and for Green Bay because of what we saw very little from them last week. And I, 
I'm, I'm very excited about this one, Alex, because I think that we can actually learn some things that we can yes. go through after this game and say, you know what? I know this is going to be a problem. I know this is going to work. I know he, I think I at least have a good feel for how good Green Bay might be, how good right. their defense might be. Cause right now I still, I feel very much in uh, muddy waters with this entire division, except That's- for Matt Patricia should be fired. <laughs> I think we're a lot of us are in agreement about that. But no, I agree. I think it's very muddy water right now. I want to know, though, from your opinion, do you think it's regression or do you think it's football just catching up with Chicago? Because let's be honest. Last year, Mitch Trubisky was not Tom Brady. He's not going to come out here. He's not going to dazzle you with anything. The scheme that he plays in is dazzling because there's always a moving part to it. It's like a Greg Roman offense. There's mm-hmm. always somebody moving, right? So the eyes can't help but focus on the moving parts so they don't notice everything else about to come around and smack him in the face. You know what I'm saying? It's it's one of these, like, trick them, but at the end of the day we're going to look really cute and pretty and we're going to grind out a bunch of yards. So I don't know if it is regression or if it's just football catching up with this team and people saying, hey, listen, we'll beat you 10-3 to if that's what it takes. Yeah, I had this exact same thought, and just with the Matt Nagy offense, that when you run 10,000 different plays – but you put them all on tape last year for the first time. Right. Then now everyone knows what you're going to do, what your tendencies are going to be. And I talked with Anthony Barr about this in training camp about how Anthony is such a unique dude. I mean, how many players are six foot five, run a four six, have a wingspan of an NBA power forward, right? And uh, the intelligence of Anthony Barr to to do multiple different things on the field, and how when when Opposing teams are trying to run a lot of the West Coast stuff that goes, uh, you know, sideline to sideline, horizontal stuff, short passes. Um, that yeah, they try to throw off your eyes and things like that. But these coaches all know how to teach these things once they pick up on them. So right. if there's a tendency and your assignment is to keep your eyes in a certain place, somebody like Eric Hendricks or Anthony Barr, they'll just do it because right. they're good enough football players. To, to follow along with the rules that are set from the coaches. And I do think that that will go for a lot of the league. And I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Nagy starts to spin himself in circles once other defensive coordinators figure out some of his rules. Absolutely. I, I, well, you know, one of the things that makes Anthony Barr so good is the guys around him, too. You know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, you know, Barr can go sideline to sideline. But it's also another thing to say that Barr and Kendricks can both go sideline to yeah. sideline. So good luck getting anything by those two. It's, it's going to be tough no matter what. And, Right now, I think that Jordan Howard leaving, obviously, I didn't know during the draft, I had a total brain fart, but Jordan Howard leaving Chicago and going to Philly, I think that's going to hurt them down the road. I think that was one more piece to this offense that they didn't probably realize how important he was to them. But now that he's gone, they're probably like, wow, we could have really used him. Like This is this would have made our offense flourish more. And not only that, but they abandoned the run so quickly last week that it makes me wonder what they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. like Somebody's afraid of being exposed somewhere. And yeah. so Matt Nagy clearly said, I would rather have Mr. Bisky throw it 45 times than run it 45 yeah. times. And I want to know why. It's a great point. Well, you made Declan very happy here in the yeah, studio. Yeah, thanks, Alex. By, Appreciate by, that. By mentioning love. Jordan Howard, My man. who, who played awesome. like 20 snaps. Yeah, the most yards per carry of all the running backs. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we'll definitely keep track of our touchdown draft. Alex, amazing stuff today. Uh, we had a lot of fun. So we'll connect again next week. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right, and we will be back tomorrow to uh, get the final word in. Vikings and Packers, Purple Daily. We will be back with Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.